What up, everybody? My name is Jacob Moore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Wind City Sports Podcast, Windsor's only local sports podcast featuring interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more, dropping every other Monday morning on windcitysports.com and anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, still bringing you the best in local sports interviews on a bi-weekly basis. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at windcity underscore sports, as well as our YouTube channel. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, and whatever app or social media you might use, and also a review on any platform you might use. Give us the big five review, please, and thank you. Shouldn't be hard to find Win City Sports online now, but if you are, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y is all one word. But we'll talk all about that at the end of the show as we normally do. Today is March 1st, 2021, and it's episode 219 of Win City Sports. And this week on Win City Sports, we're getting away from hockey for the first time in, in, uh, in a while now. Obviously, this podcast has kind of been uh, Hockey Central for the last little while. Uh, it's hard not to be, obviously, in, in a town in, in a Canadian city as well. But aside from that, as everyone knows, we have a huge um, sports history and background here and deep systems in every sport, including football, which is one we're going to get back into this week. We have another CFL alumni and better yet, even NFL alumni as well. And Ed Filion, he is now a coach at the Concordia University for the Concordia Stingers. He's the defensive uh, coordinator for the team. Previous to that, he was coaching um, in the CFL with the Montreal Alouettes, who he played for. Or, or sorry, I don't, not, not the Alouettes. He's coaching for Edmonton. But anyway, he played for the Alouettes. Uh, he won a great cup with them and run, won a great cup with the Eskimos as well. Um, a, a stellar and, and uh, decorated player and coach. So, uh, cool, cool interview coming up. Obviously, talking about the early days in Windsor. He also played hockey, of course. Uh, growing up here in, in the Windsor Essex area, he's from Essex, as you'll hear. Uh, went off to Ferris State University to play there. Uh, a lot of success um, in those days as well, and it carried over into his pro career. Played two seasons for the Buffalo Bills. Went overseas for a bit. Had some tryouts and um, contracts with some other teams, as again we'll hear in the interview. But ultimately ended up in the or CFL and um, had a long career there as well. I mean, this guy had a long career for a football player um, in a sense. And then has now had a whole new career in coaching, a long career in coaching uh, through the CFL and um, at the college level as well. So really cool interview actually coming up with, with Ed. He was a great guy to chat with, and I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy that one. Uh, later on the show, we're going to try and gather as much uh, sports and Sports news and topics to talk about kind of locally throughout the last two weeks, like to kind of round up anything we might have missed. And obviously during this pandemic, there isn't a lot. So we'll find some cool stuff to, to chat about and maybe some noteworthy stuff. And um, again, just giving shout outs to people or people from and in Windsor, people playing for our Spitfires. A lot of guys have gone up to pro this year for obvious reasons in the AHL. Uh, things are a little different. So a lot of guys getting called up and going overseas. So we got a couple of couple of points on that as well um but ultimately obviously of course the the uh whatever the main point of this podcast is to talk to ed filion today this is a guy that 
uh, just kind of came across last year and I'd reached out to the university. I've had a good amount of Concordia um, alumni on the show, actually, and even more coming up as well. Guys who have played hockey or wrestled there, like David Tremblay, and uh, now um, a guy who's coaching uh, the football team. So uh, great, great conversation coming up. Again, this guy I found last year, reached out to him and was unsuccessful. So I figured, let's try again. Why not? And um, it was very smooth this time. So yeah, why not? Give me a call. Uh, I think on family day, we actually ended up chatting uh, the Monday that, that our last episode was released with Kenny Ryan, former Windsor Spitfire. And, you know, we talked for a bit, and then I went, took off to the pond to play some hockey, and, um, yeah, <laughs> I'd uh, kind of got it. You know, that's exactly what he used to do around here. So let's get into that interview with, without further ado. We'll hear from former Essex 73s player, turned football player, NFL, and CFL alumni, now coach Ed Filion. Here we go. All right, right now I'm joined by a former CFL and NFL player from the Windsor-Essex area. He's a longtime CFL defensive tackle turned coach, 2002 Grey Cup champion as a player, and 2015 champion as a coach. He's now the defensive coordinator at Concordia College or University. Ed Filion, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Drake. Uh, Happy to be with you, man. Awesome. So as we were kind of talking before, we were talking about the weather uh, compared to here in in Montreal, so I'm sure it's a little different from, from what you remember growing up, although... Times were different back then as well, but what was it like growing up around here? I think you, you grew up out in Essex, right? Yes, I did. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember uh, hanging on to bumpers and when we get that uh, first or second snowfall and and uh, trying to ski off the back of a of a car or a truck and uh, ice fishing with my dad and and stuff like that. Uh, um, you know, we uh, we spent a lot of time outside as kids. I think that's the, probably the biggest difference I notice now with the kids. Um, of today and what we did we had neighbors that uh, used to build uh, outdoor rinks in their backyard and we you know from sun up to sundown would be over there playing in the yard and playing in the rink yeah so obviously growing up out there a lot of outdoorsy stuff and probably just you know playing with your brothers and sisters neighborhood kids if there was any any close to you um so probably an athletic kid growing up like you said you played hockey end up being a pro football player so um, were you always into different sports growing up? Yeah, I mean, I from a, as a kid, and I think that's another thing that's uh, was pretty good growing up in Essex. Everything was local, mm-hmm. so your your baseball, your soccer, it was walking distance. You know, I grew up in a single parent uh, household. My dad raised uh, four of us at a at a certain age mm-hmm. uh, when my my uh, mom and dad split up. So um, he was rarely home. He was either working or he was ice fishing trying to I guess clear his head a little bit but uh yeah so we I played uh, every sport um you know obviously hockey was my first passion yeah um you know I played at 16 with the threes and I thought maybe I had a chance to get drafted uh in the OHL I didn't uh, at, at that point in my uh career um I was also just starting to uh, get into football so uh, once I didn't get drafted uh, I was kind of disappointed and then football kind of took over and uh you know i guess the rest is history after that but yeah as, as a kid uh it was a it's a great town great community um everything was local and i was able to participate in a bunch of different sports growing up yeah, that's cool and back then they didn't even have the ravens either so you know now obviously you got strong football and hockey and uh, i think you, like baseball systems and everything so uh, i'm sure yeah, uh, like, sorry go ahead yeah for sure like uh, ross Pettigrew was a, a huge uh um 
contributor. He, I mean, I actually, I just got off the phone with him yesterday. Yeah. Whenever I'm down, you know, we've been in quarantine here for a year, or <laughs> yeah, basically Very a much. year now, locked down. Yeah, so when I need to feel good about myself, I call Coach Pettigrew, and uh, I mean, he was a big part of uh, establishing uh, the football program there. And then Glenn Mills is, is, is taken over from him mm-hmm. for the last uh, 10, 15 years. So they've done a great job, man. They saved a lot of kids. And I, that's what I think about football when, you know, uh, I, I had, you know, two choices uh, at that point in my life. And I was looking for direction and football seemed to, uh, you know, uh, narrow my focus and, and allowed me to do a lot of things. And uh, to this day, I'm still, you know, I'm still involved in it, whether um, when I retired and uh, 06 after playing 13 years I got into broadcasting and then right. now coaching so I've been around football for the last 30 years now that's cool yeah I mean I'm sure by the time we get to the end of this conversation too it, I can already tell that um, football is just pretty much your life you know it's just uh, what it been, is you've been revolving around it right yeah it is it is it's yeah, everything I have my house my cars my retirement it's it's all through football and you know, there's uh, coaching's a, a little different than playing. Um, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't call it, uh, or I wouldn't say that you're not working because there's a lot of long hours in that profession. But it beats going into the office. I, I tried immediately after my career to get involved in a wastewater company, and uh, I, I was just lost being in a yeah. being in a cubicle in an office. So football's really allowed me just to enjoy, you know. I guess I could say I haven't worked a day in my life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that might be a little uh, misleading just because coaching does have some long hours, but oh, sure. uh, it, it beats working in an office any day. Yeah, well, really, it's your passion for the sport, it seems like, you know? No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Well, kind of going back to that as well, like you said, you were kind of probably all in on hockey um, in your junior days, obviously, and as well as your beginning days for football. I'm sure it was kind of... Uh, at the high school level was your first like real playing experience when it came to football and that's when you kind of made the decision at some point in those four years to to branch off yeah it was it was crazy because uh I, I think i played i didn't play uh in grade nine i played in grade 10 and then don't think we had a team in grade 11 because the, the program in essex was just uh starting and stopping starting and stopping and then coach spedic you came in so i played i think uh 12 and 13 there and I had originally signed a letter of intent to sign uh, with Grand Valley, yeah. uh, a Division Two school. Actually, they, they're uh, Ferris and Grand Valley are kind of rivals, and um, but uh, they declared me academically ineligible. So I uh, went to and played AKO for a year. Mm. Um, you know, had a, got a few breaks along the way. Uh, I remember uh, Ferris had called me. Um, and, uh, you know, I was 19 years old, living on my own. I was out of the house at that point. And I was living with a friend, and they wanted me to come up for a workout. And we had gotten a snowstorm that day. And uh, I think we had went out the night before and had a few drinks and stuff like that. So I wasn't feeling all that well the next day. And a guy by the name of Rob Marshall came and picked me up, and he actually – uh, you know, said, you're going, you're going to this workout. So I went up there, we drove us a three hour drive, probably took us five hours because of the weather, uh, worked out for him and, you know, and then they offered me a scholarship, but it's, it's things like that. And you know, that it's always that support system around you, um, that, uh, allowed me to, you know, either they were lifting me up and, and bringing me with them. And, uh, you know, I can, I'm 
forever grateful for a lot of people in my life that uh, did a lot of things for me to uh, steer me in the right direction. Yeah, I hear that a lot, you know, um, doing interviews like this, because when you look back on it, that's, you know, exactly what you said. You're probably not realizing it at the time, you know, all the influence no. going on around you. Yeah, you're, you're not. You, you know, as you get older, you realize, man, one wrong decision here and there could have changed. And and that's, you know, a lot of kids. Uh, but that's what I loved about Essex and being a small community is everybody was there to to help you. You know, I always say it takes a village to, to raise a man. And, and that's the case. And Essex was... Um, a big part of that and you know I try to when we won our Grey Cup in 2002 I, I brought the Grey Cup down and um, and we uh, celebrated uh, we had 48 hours with the Cup so we spent 24 hours in Windsor or uh, Essex excuse me and then um, came back up here to Montreal and, and celebrated but uh, yeah man that town's been a, a lifeline for me and I'm forever grateful Cool, man. And you even obviously went to Essex High out there. And I was going to say, you know, four short years. And then the next thing you know, you're accepting that scholarship to Ferris. But better yet, it's even three short years if you started in grade 10. And next thing you know, you're getting recruited. Were, were a lot of schools kind of reaching out to you? Or how did that kind of go down? No, yeah. it was crazy. I uh, I had to do a lot of it. Uh, I, I did back then it was VHS tape. So mm -hmm. basically what I did is I went through a book of school you didn't have the internet back then so yeah. you opened up a, a, i think an encyclopedia of all these schools so let's say i sent 30 letters out you know 10 to d1 10 to d2 and you know 10 to d3 and i got a you know a couple of response come as a walk-on and and uh and then i sent tapes to the some of the schools that requested uh videotapes so because i didn't have the money to send a videotape to every school so I think, you know, four or five schools asked for a videotape and uh, Grand Valley was one of them. And then uh, the next year, like I said, after being declared academically ineligible, I sent another tape out to Ferris and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of legwork back then. Mm -hmm. It's it's not like it is now. Now you, you know, my, my uh, middle son uh, is at Ferris actually. And uh, he just put his highlight tape on Twitter and, <laughs> and uh facebook and uh instagram and yep. ferris called him so it, it was crazy how how that worked for him yeah that's what i was going to say nowadays the the vhs's have just been uploaded onto instagram at, at your fingertips right away you know you're on the field and no doubt upload a video no immediately. doubt uh, but it's cool that your son is there too you mentioned that before um uh playing at the same school that you played at too that's got to be pretty cool for you that's awesome you know it's 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 great because uh, division two is a little different so uh, basically um, when you first go they don't give you a full scholarship maybe if you're like a, a five-star recruit that got kicked out of michigan state mm -hmm. and you know your quarterback so you'd probably get your your full tuition and room and board but um with with brett he gets his full tuition paid for his first year now that can change if he starts in his first year or second year, I know it did for me. Mm -hmm. um, once you become a big part of the team, you can ask for more. But we were fortunate because when I was there, a buddy of mine uh, that I worked for uh, owned a gas station there. We've we've remained friends for 30 years now. And so when uh, Brett went up there, he, he volunteered to give him a place to stay so he didn't have to pay for a room and board and give him a job. So uh, it's it's worked out well. I mean, he's, he's loving it. He's glad he's, you know, out of out of uh, Quebec, you know, playing some real football over there in, yeah. <laughs> in the U.S. as he calls it. Yeah, so, probably. 
Yeah, man. And he says, the pandemic, you wouldn't even know there's a pandemic going on up there with everybody's playing their sports. And I think that's something we should get back to soon. Yeah, good, man. Like, you know, like we were kind of talking before, like, you know, do everything that we can, but this is kind of the kids' livelihoods too, right? So, No doubt. Like, they're, they're even talking about this year possibly uh, not being able to play a, a university uh, a season. So that'd be two, two years that, you know, and I don't know eligibility. I'm sure these kids, you know, they're going to school, so they're going to graduate mm-hmm. at least. You know, are they going to stick around and play football? And I know my oldest son, He's this is his first year at uh, Concordia, and uh, he didn't play last year, and hopefully he can play this year, but he's going to be 22 now. So the age limit, I think, is 25. And yeah. so he's losing smears too, and I think you know, a lot of kids are affected. Yeah, well, they're pulling the rug underneath, like, because a lot of people are talking about the like hockey around here, right? Like, what's the point? And my argument, coming from some other people, is like, you know, these these kids are maybe they're going to college next year. How are they going to get recruited? Maybe they're going pro. Maybe maybe they're not going to play no ever doubt. again. You're just throwing away a year, right? No doubt, you're you're going to lose a lot of kids. I at this point, I I'm done with this uh, this pandemic. I mm-hmm. you know I think early on, uh, first couple months. Um, you know, I was all for it. I was yeah. like, Hey, let's, let's find out what it's all about. And, you know, let's, uh, we took a couple body blows, let's stable our feet, but now it's been a year now and, uh, nothing's changing. Yeah. This, the numbers are still the same. Uh, the hospitalizations are down and the deaths are down. So, um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, yeah, we want to take care of everybody, but there's a, a lot of mental health issues. And, and like we said, with, with uh, sports a lot of kids losing their dreams because they you know they they can no longer play yeah yeah it's um it's weird right now man it's not going away right so we just got to (laughs) live live with it that's pretty much it yeah and then you got the government that we're not getting vaccinated till i get they're saying now at the end of september they'll have enough vaccine you look in the u.s there and they've already vaccinated 50 something million of their population well if if we had those numbers, everybody in Canada would be vaccinated. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, you probably never would have imagined this even you know two years ago, yet alone however many years ago when you first started uh, with uh, Ferris State. Uh, to go back to that, you know, next thing you know, you're that small town kid on big campus out in Michigan. Had a, quite the four year run there as well, but I'm sure a little nerve wracking at first. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was, and once again, had some breaks a girl i was dating um back there actually helped me out a lot uh with the with the money the money situation so i had some people still in my corner there and uh um yeah it was you know i i think it was the third game of my first year the starter went down i went in the game and Mm. had 14 tackles that game so uh the rest is history after that and you know it was it was great i i loved every minute of it uh, that's why I'm so excited that my son's going there because yeah. a lot of my teammates uh, still go up to the, and watch the games during the season. So I know our our our, uh, our schedule here at uh, Concordia kind of interferes, but they go a little longer up there, so I'll get a chance to to go up there and watch him and and uh, run into some buddies. And we had we had some great success up there. We won yeah. uh, two conference championship. They'd never had a winning record prior well they they had in the 70s early 70s and late 60s but up until that point they were really a 500 or below football team and they went on a run there my i graduated in in, uh, 93 and they went 
94, 95. So it was, we went four years undefeated in the regular season and uh, they went to a national semifinal game and man, it was, it was the best, uh, the best of times there and uh, yeah. met a lot of lifelong friends there. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I guess, again, like aside from you playing, that's your, that's your college days. That's your, you know, young adult days, something I always say when it comes to junior and that kind of era of playing any sport, it's uh it's very memorable for you, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is, uh, after, uh, my senior year at Ferris, I had, I signed a free agent contract with the Buffalo bills. But yeah. the funny thing is the, the, uh, the scout for the bills at the time. And, when I graduated was the head coach at Grand Valley uh, who had signed me originally uh, and we had played them two or three years uh, before he took the scouting job with the Bills and he said he uh, when he signed me to the the free agent contract with the Bills he said I made a mistake the first time I wasn't going to do it the second time so (laughs) you know yeah the football small world and yeah everybody's kind of interconnected some way yeah i was gonna say even with your son there just connections and networking is everything in, in the world of sports it is it is it's such a small such a small uh you know group of people and 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 football coaches all kind of know each other and yeah. that's really how you get a job anyways it's that networking and and stuff like that yeah yeah that's a big part of, of it which is a lot of people don't again don't realize but I was going to mention that too you were talking about just all the success you guys had it seems like in those four years like the team and even yourself just were progressing at a rapid rate and just getting better and better as it went on yeah it was uh, it, it was it was uh, it was you know I think my first year we went to six and five and then the second year went five and six and then we started you know, last two years went undefeated and won our our championship, our conference championship. And yeah, it was, uh, and we had a good group of, uh, of dudes and everybody still hangs out together. We, uh, yeah. they went to a national championship game. Ferris did two years ago in McKinley, Texas. So there was a bunch of us, 25, 30 of us, former players that, that flew down there, watched the game. We lost by two points, got beat by Dawson state. Uh, we had a chance for the two point conversion at the end of the game and they, mm-hmm. they knocked it down. But, uh, yeah, all the, uh, all the people from the town, uh, were down there. They drove and went at bagos and, and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a great time seeing everybody. And I mean, the program is just, it's nationally ranked every year now. They're in the top five every year and, uh, competing for a national championship every year. It's cool. Yeah, it's always good to to reminisce and keep in touch, and that's pretty much why the reason I do these these interviews too is to kind of tell the stories and and catch up with people. Because obviously, like you know, we know you here as a Windsor Essex Sports Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm sure after the the college days, uh, like you were actually kind of talking about being recruited to Buffalo, that's where you started your pro uh, pro career, really, right? And um, for two seasons in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I actually I was fortunate. I got. Uh... I played two and a half years in Buffalo, got cut halfway through my third year and picked up on waivers by Carolina. Yeah. Uh, we ended up going to the NFC championship game that year. We lost to green Bay who ended up winning the super bowl that year. Um, I went and played NFL Europe for yeah. a year, uh, because I had gotten cut the following season in Carolina. Um, we won the world bowl in NFL Europe and, uh, and I had a great season there and got signed by Jacksonville. And then, uh, had hernia surgery and blew out my groin just before the last preseason game. So I was able to get my fourth year in there, which was big at the time for, for, uh, 
the pension and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great ride. You know, it's, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, every year you were fighting for your job cause I was yeah. always that kind of bubble guy. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Like it's pretty rare that you see a lot of guys from Canada, yet alone Windsor make it to the NFL. Right. So it's just, uh, it's always, um, uh, something to be proud of, you know? Yeah, you're seeing a bunch uh, more though, and I, yeah, I think yeah. that's a, a tribute to you know the the, the people I spoke about, Coach Pettigrew and then yeah. Coach Mills there, and and what they've done. But I, you know, I'd like to see uh, based off our numbers of the amount of people in the Essex County area, how many players, either football, baseball, hockey, have gone pro. There, there's it's the it's a uh, I'm sure per capita it's right up there with the rest of uh, rest of Canada. Oh, I yeah. just think that that area there just because of the people um you know it's a it's a blue collar area uh, you know it's it's changing a little bit now but it's still the same mentality and, and a lot of great athletes coming out coming out of that area oh yeah that, again that's another reason why i do the do the show right is uh, hockey aside there's tons of athletes who have made it pro in in every sport you can think of yeah yeah it's uh we got baseball players and uh, you know hockey uh football uh you name it. So yeah. it's uh, basketball now is becoming huge in Canada as well. Yeah. And you know it's more of a Toronto thing, but uh, you know you, I'm sure you're still getting some kids from from that area that that are making a difference. 100. percent We got one guy uh, in the NBA right now. He just made it uh, two, maybe a year or two ago. Who's that? Michael Mulder. He plays for the um, Golden State Warriors right now with Steph Curry. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, kid yeah. out of Central or yeah, Catholic Central here in uh, Windsor. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's so great. We got one other kid, um, Jacob Robson. He's in the Detroit Tigers farm system. He gets called okay. up, and we have at least one player in every major sport. And it'll be, from Windsor, it would be pretty, pretty cool to see. Yeah, when I was when I was, uh, it was Stubby Clop was. Yep. Uh, was and he's still uh, a coach too. Guy. So he's, yeah, he's he's done well, man. He yeah. hasn't uh, worked a day in his life yeah. either. He's just yeah going through it and doing a great. Uh, had a nice little career for himself. Yeah, it's cool stuff, man. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, Buffalo yet again before we before we move on. So if I'm not mistaken, I read this a little while ago and um, just briefly looked it up quickly before uh, before we talked here. But you were joined uh, by another Fair State teammate in Buffalo and what some people might remember him from television as a WWE wrestler, yeah, Monty yeah. Brown. So uh, <laughs> it's probably cool to see a familiar face in the locker room and uh, I'm sure my cousin Scott Demore knows him. He's a wrestler as well, so it's kind of cool to see all those things blend sometime. Yeah, that was the alpha male. Yeah, yeah, the alpha male. Yeah, that was his. That was his name. Actually, I just uh, clipped a couple uh, shots I had seen on YouTube or something, and I'm going to send it to him. But uh, yeah, Monty went the year before I did, so it was '93. Uh, I think was the Bills' last year they went to the Super Bowl, which was Monty's first year. Mm-hmm. Um, he invited us to a playoff game. I think they played the Raiders that that game it was cold it was probably minus 20 in buffalo and yeah we were drinking whiskey and that thing was freezing on <laughs> us you know and uh so yeah we uh so he he was there and then i came the following year but uh, and we kind of lived in the same uh housing area uh when we played there but bonnie yeah he was a big uh, big influence and a big reason why um they came back probably the next year and and uh, recruited me so well, that's uh, cool. yeah Imani went on. I think he he played three or four years in Buffalo and went 
Patriots and then uh, had a nice little career in uh, in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Funny stuff. Like a lot of times you don't realize the, the, the past that some people might have when you're watching them on the field or in the ring or on the ice or whatever, right? And they're from a whole nother, whole nother world. Yeah, you know what was crazy about that first year in Buffalo is, I mean, I went to a Division two school, so yeah. at the time we may have gotten three to 5,000 fans you know homecoming you probably got five thousand, and then i remember very first game of the year you know we're, we're playing i think it was the new york jets and i'm in the game you know so right out of division two uh, because uh, uh jeff wright who used, was the starter at the time had, had shoulder surgery so uh, i would i played those first four games until he came back and you know the eighty thousand people in the stands and the speed of the game so much yeah. so much uh faster at that level it's it was crazy i i still remember my first day in training camp I, i'm still in my stance and the center's up to the second level getting up on a linebacker and i'm like how in the hell am i going to make this football team but, <laughs> you know just continue to to battle and and, and stay after uh stay after practice and yeah. uh, you know the game slowed down but yeah it was quite a quite an experience but my family all came up and you know a, a bunch of people from school a bunch of people from uh the county there all came and uh yeah it was great it was nice sharing it with them oh 100 and were the uh were the buffalo bills fans always that crazy back then they were crazy <laughs> they were cra- I, we weren't jumping off tables yeah then. that's pretty new <laughs> i love it man it's yeah. uh, it's a it's a great town they you know, I, I had bought a house prior to coming to Montreal there, and uh-huh. I loved it. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a great, uh, if you like the outdoors, you like hunting and fishing, and it's a great place to live. Yeah, it's still close to home, too, really. Yeah, it's three, four hours, um, you know, so it's, yeah, now the drive from Montreal is about eight to nine. So, yeah, it was a little shorter drive back home. Yeah. Well, as you also mentioned, uh, you played in the NFL Europe for a little bit, got to see the world and travel a little bit. Then you end up coming back to uh, to Canada ultimately after the, I think, the 95 season or whatever, like you said, with the Bills. Uh, end up in the CFL where you would begin a long and stellar career. So how did that kind of all come to be for you? Um, I'm sure you're happy looking at that decision as well. Yeah, I love my time in the CFL. I spent eight years here. Yeah, long Five career. years base, five years in the NFL uh and uh eight years here in montreal and um like i said i was always a bubble guy so i was always you know worried each year if i'm going to make the team and in the nfl so when i came to canada um you know i was put in the starting lineup right away uh, you know made the all-star team my first year and just it was it was refreshing to enjoy playing again um you know there's something to be said about you know being comfortable and and uh and that's what the CFL allowed me to do. And, uh, you know, not having to worry about my job every year and, you know, playing at a high level. So, um, and then at the time, Montreal was just getting their football team back. I think they got back in 96. My first year here was 99. So um, we had made the jump from the Big O to uh, McGill uh, Stadium uh, or Molson Stadium now on top of the hill. And we, I think we went, you know, the, the eight years I was there, we sold that place out every time. So it was it was a great atmosphere. We had some great teams. We went to five great cups in eight years. So wow. it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, raised my kids here in Montreal. So it's a big part of yeah. of uh, my life for sure. Yeah, we'll tie into that as well at the end. Obviously, you're, you're still out there. But um, like you said, it's like some success, uh, yet alone making it to the great cup five times. 
uh, in that eight-year span, winning it in 2002, like you mentioned. Um, like they say, you know, when you win something together, you're, you're always together. So I'm sure that's a very big part of your life, actually. Yeah, yeah. You still keep, you know, it's it's a, it's a little different in pro football because, you know, people come and go a lot quicker yeah. than they do in, in, uh, in the, at the university level. But, yes, we still talk and every so often you'll run into guys that you played with on that football team. But, you know, at any time you win a championship in a team sport, it's just – you know, it's icing on the cake. It's, you know, you play this game to win and, and to win at the highest level. And it, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I had an opportunity to win a couple championships and because a lot of guys go their whole career and yeah. have great numbers, but, but don't win it. And I think in a team game like football, winning championships, the ultimate, and, you know, they can never take it away from you. I got a few rings upstairs that, you know, now that I'm getting older, um, those mean a lot more to me than they did when I, when I first won them. Oh, 100%. percent you sure you look at the ring and just, you know, memories come back. You think of people, you think of plays, you think of God knows what, right? Yeah, we remember locker room and yep. going out after wins and yep. stuff like that. That's, you know, that's... That's kinda, the fun stuff. The fun, that's the fun part, and that's how yeah. you win uh, yeah. football games. Yeah. To me, is you got to be tight as a team. And we, we took off at Montreal back in the 90s and early 2000s. It was a great city. <laughs> it's it's kind of tamed down a little bit, but... Uh, Back in the late '90s and, and early uh, 2000s, it was a great city to be young in. Yeah, man. And there's always that little bit of a stigma about the partying stories, but it's it's part of it's part of life. It's part of making a connection, and you know, boys will be boys, kind of thing. So, hell yeah, you're only young once. Yeah. I mean, I'm in bed by nine now, so I'm glad <laughs> I got it out of the way. I, I I run into some some former teammates, and, and uh, we all, you know. We we wonder where it all came from back then. But, yeah, because uh, yeah, we're all like I said in bed by nine or ten now. Yeah, living a different lifestyle now. That's for sure. You know, after that long CFL career, you jumped into coaching pretty quickly. We were talking about you know the passion for the sport before. So is that something you always knew you wanted to do? Yeah, it was. Uh, when I first retired in '06, I think my oldest son was seven years old. So I didn't want to. And I have three boys, so seven, six, and uh, three at the time, or four at the time. So um, they were all in hockey, and I wanted to be a big part of that. I wanted to be a part of their life, so um, I put coaching on hold. Like I said, I worked at a wastewater company yeah, um, I, and did the, the Owls game on the radio. So I think my oldest was 13 when I finally uh, jumped into coaching. My wife gave me the go-ahead because, like I said, you're you're gone for – seven months out of the year uh, my first job was in toronto which wasn't too bad family could come see me but i spent one year there and then I, we spent two years in edmonton halfway across the on the other side of the country and then uh, three years in sask and it got uh, it got a little long at the end i mean you know you start losing touch with your kids and your wife you know you're gone seven months and it's not like they can up and leave because my wife's got a teaching job here in Montreal. My kids were going to school, so it was it was tough for me coming back and trying to fit into the, their routine. And at some point, I, I knew uh, I wanted to get back home and be able to come home every day and work. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, life is life at the end of the day. And now it's like probably a whole nother lifetime when you look at your playing career and your coaching career. Had a long coaching and successful career as well. Winning the cup, the Great Cup again in 2015 as a coach with Edmonton. Yeah, had been pretty yeah, cool that, for you. That's awesome as a coach, and you know what? The feeling is just the same. 
it is because you know how much you put into it. Um, you see your, t- you know, the, the, the players you coach uh, succeed um, and get to experience what you did as a player. It was, it's so emotionally, like the high that you get from winning a championship, especially at that level is, uh, you know, if you could bottle it up and sell it, man, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be a billionaire. But uh, yeah, it's a great feeling and there's nothing else like it. It's, it's cool, man. Cool dynamic to, you know, be on the field and then on the sidelines to to that success, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's totally different because yeah. you kind of, you know, you don't have as much control of the game as you did as a player. But uh, um, we had a great staff that year, uh, 2015, 2014 and 2015 in Edmonton. We had a great staff and we had a great group of players and we were all one. You know, we, we hung out together. Um, we did a lot of things together. Chris Jones, who was the head coach at the time, did a great job of, you know, uh, putting a, uh, a coaching staff together and, and a roster, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We won a lot of games. Yeah, again, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah, no doubt. And now you're at Concordia, as we know, obviously, in Quebec. I'm assuming, you know, maybe some ties in Montreal or even with the Alouettes kind of led you there. What's uh, What's the story there? Yeah, it was uh, Brad Collison. I played with Brad okay. in 2003 and four. He was our long snapper. So um, when I had come, I had left Saskatchewan um, and I wanted to come home and coach. I ran into him. He was recruiting uh, um, on a recruiting trip. And so my sons were at Vanier. Um, I had saw him a couple times, uh, you know, throughout the recruiting uh, season there for for the CGI players. And I, I just sent him a text. I said, Hey, if you're looking for a defensive coordinator, I'd, I'd love an opportunity. And, uh, they, they had a real bad year, um, 2018, I think it was. And they, they had cleaned a uh, house, uh, got rid of their whole staff. So we had come in and it was my first jo- uh, job as a coordinator. Um, it, it was uh, a lot different than, uh, you know, at the CFL level where, um, you know, you, you really, you know, because you're scouting these guys, you're working them out, you can bring them in, and, and then you can cut them if they're not good enough. Well, when you get to the college level, when we got to Concordia, I mean, the cupboards were pretty bare. Um, you know, I think I played with a receiver, a fullback, and a linebacker at defensive line, and my defensive tackle, my starting defensive tackle, the heaviest guy was 230 pounds. So it was, it was a challenge, but uh, it was a great experience. And, uh, you know, we're just in the process of changing the program around. Yeah, it's a lot different at the college level in a sense. Uh, like what you're talking about, the business, the kind of business side of it, recruiting side of it, it's a lot different. But, again, as we were talking about, this is your passion. Obviously, I've uh, been with them for a few years now and just lo- loving life, living the dream um, as best you can in this pandemic right now. Uh, yeah, that's that's the frustrating part. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, we didn't have a season last year. Uh, but, yeah, being able to be home every day, I mean, I can take a bus out. For, I live probably 35, 40 minutes from the campus, but I can catch a bus outside my house that takes me to the train station that takes me right to the, to the school, and I'm home every night. And, you know, it's not as uh, – you're not worried about your job every day, which is – which you are at, you know, at the pro level, um, you lose a few games at the pro level. And yeah. You, you start putting out uh, resumes because you don't know how long you'll be around. So, um, you get a little bit more time at the university level and, and the kids, um, I think they appreciate you a little more because, you know, you're looking at an 18, 19 year old kid to, 
23, 24, so you can be a bigger impact in their life than you can at the pro level. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, that's the different kind of aspect when it comes to, um, you know, pro, semi-pro in college. It's, uh, it's a whole different aspect when you look at it that way. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, you're, you actually, you're building men and it's, yeah. you know, at, at the university level and, you know, they're coming to you for different reasons. Uh, you know, as a pro coach, you rarely have a, a player come into your, your office unless they're, uh, you know, asking about playing time. But at the university level, they're coming in, they're hanging out there. You know, they might need some food. You might need to buy them a sub or something like that, you know. <laughs> so you're more of a parent than yeah. than a coach. But uh, it's it's a nice change, and I really like it, yeah. especially at this stage of my life right now. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, you know, it's, it's part of the, the role, but obviously something that um, you're down with, that you're passionate with. So it really translates to, to you know, your lifestyle. Yeah, no doubt. And the uh, good thing is my oldest son's playing with me now. Yeah. Um, he, he went to New Mexico uh, Junior College, Went tried to get the, the, you know, he wanted a scholarship. Never really worked out for him. Uh, it was a military school, so he only stayed one year. He didn't go back for a second year, And uh, but I'm glad to have him. It's, it's great to be able to, you know, coach your son. Uh, you know, you're, you're hard on him, and, but uh, to see his growth and to be around him and yeah. You know, that's that's a reason you have kids in the first place to yeah. just kind of lead them in the right direction. So it, it's great that I get a chance to work with Zach, and it's, uh, it's it's been really fulfilling. Yeah, it's cool that it, it's running in the family, you know, and kind of becoming a family family passion, I suppose. Yeah, my uh, oldest two play, and my youngest is uh, more in the arts and stuff like that in school. So mm-hmm. uh, my my both my kids made the dean's list, which is crazy i i I barely stayed eligible throughout uh university but uh they're both made the dean's list i must get their brains from the mother (laughs) and uh so yeah they're they're doing good in school and uh everything's working out for them that's cool man well you seem proud and obviously uh happy with what you're doing with in the game of football and just living the dream like i said man and really appreciate you taking the time to do this hey man it's been great talking to drake and uh anytime man Feel free to call. All right, all right, all right. There we have it. As always, thank you to my guest, Ed Filion, for taking the time to do that and shoot the shit with me on the phone a couple weeks back. And again, like every episode or, or every guest, pretty much, there's always something new that you learn in the conversation stuff that uh, and stuff that I always wanted to bring up as well. Um, so obviously didn't know his son was playing at the same college that he went to following in his footsteps pretty cool stuff um and as well as another uh, another son playing as well um it's cool to see you know cool to see uh people following in his footsteps a guy from windsor essex and of course lots of things i want to talk about one being um knowing and playing with monty brown the tna wwe wrestler (laughs) obviously i was uh, familiar with him and uh, i remember doing some research last year and uh came across that and I thought I'd definitely have to bring that up that's pretty cool pretty funny stuff again just you never know who might cross paths with who and uh, you know a guy from right here in Windsor Essex was playing with uh, with Monty Brown I don't know small little thing if you're a wrestling fan you'll definitely enjoy that and then there's even one thing that I forgot to, to bring up on the day that I was about to interview him doing a little research and there was an article about a rivalry that he had back in the CFL with somebody 
and I wanted to kind of allude to, I, I hate that I can't remember uh, the names and I don't have a lot of CFL history in my, in my noggin, but I was going to refer to those two guys that ended up duking it out at the, at the reunion a few years back. All right, I got the articles up here. So it's uh, Joe Cap and uh, Angelo Mosca. I'm sure a lot of people have seen this uh, Kane versus Fist battle on the, I think it was like a 50th anniversary or I guess not 50th, but I don't know, whatever anniversary of a great cup. And these two are, are still our rivals <laughs> to this point. And then another um, article to reference is from Three Down Nation. The feud between uh, Troy Westwood and Ed Filion, one of the top 10 CFL feuds of all time. Forgot to bring that up, but uh, you never know. Maybe that's for a story for another time. But anyway, again, thanks to Ed for taking the time to do that. Uh, another great guest here on Wind City Sports and able to tell his story and document some more Windsor history. Uh, speaking of Windsor history, I guess, as I start to go through the Twitter feed and see what we might have missed in the news and interesting points uh, in the last two weeks, a uh, photo surfaced of The Rock wrestling in LaSalle at LaSalle Arena against my cousin Scott. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Windsor history as well. Um, as I, Again, as I'm scrolling through here, past guest of the show and former Windsor Spitfires captain has confirmed to return to the Queen's University Gales. He's going to Teachers College. So congrats to Patrick Sanvino. For um, you know, taking the reins in that—that's a pretty pretty big deal uh, to, to become a teacher. We have a new St. Clair Saints varsity baseball team coach and Dave Cooper, former or sorry, uh, Robert Duncan, uh, taking over after David Cooper steps aside. A former player as well. Um, with again, within the two weeks that we were off, we had the Mickey Reno Day, February 18th. The Spitz did things a little bit differently this time. Had a nice video for him. Um, as they always do, but of course that's all that they were able to do due to the pandemic. Uh, during that time, we also had a nice piece on the Toronto Maple Leafs and Ottawa Senators broadcast back on February 17th. And no, not the game where they lost after a 5-1 to one deficit. We can get over that. Uh, but they had a nice piece on the uh, Rep Our Home series they have on DJ Smith. Showed a lot of stuff from Windsor. Uh, obviously, the barn, the Spitfires, a little history on him and where he's come from, his coaching days, and then, you know, getting into Oshawa and Toronto and et cetera. Um, so just kind of making the people at home proud. And it sparked a little bit of controversy, actually, um, through Sportsnet, who I don't know if they just pulled an archive photo of the, you know, Welcome to Windsor sign where it said the Hum Capital of Canada due to the old Windsor home. And people are up in arms and demanding an apology since that's not our slogan anymore. It's the automotive capital Canada. I say, who who cares? But the uh, funny thing is I actually was looking for that video, talking to the guys from the Spitz, and couldn't find it. So I, I was able to pull it up on my IPTV, a replay from that week, set up a camera and recorded the TV and sent it off to the Spitz. And that was actually the video that... Um, got in the eyes of people, you know. So uh, the funny thing is, uh, it was basically just recorded in my living room. Um, speaking of which, uh, Windsor Spitfires coaches, Bob Bugner just got his 100th win with the San Jose Sharks uh, a few weeks ago. Um, as again, I'm going through the, the Twitter feed here. Jacob Robson is uh, lucky to go to the Tigers training camp again we had him on episode 123 of win city sports but jim parker's reporting it might be tough for him to make it yet again 
Uh, look, looking for a little bit of luck with his third MLB camp with the Tigers. If he doesn't make it, he'll be going to one of their AAA uh, affiliates uh, somewhere, usually Toledo's, where uh, where Jake's ended up. Great interview with him again on episode 123. And of course, we're Spitfires fans here, but we got another local kid in Tyler Tulio, son of Rocco Tulio. He's actually the captain of the Oshawa Generals. He got called up for his first pro stint in the AHL with the Edmonton Oilers affiliate, the Bakersfield Condors. And aside from that, there's not a lot of news except for, I mean, not news, but we have a, a Nathan Parrott, uh, this guy, he's wrote a letter um, in conjunction with some anonymous OHL players and teams, sent it out to, you know, the OHL the, and the government, Doug Ford, and is trying to, trying to spark the fire under them to, to get them going this season. Of course, the OHL is responding, saying basically, yeah, we're down, we're just, we're trying and trying to do everything within the government regulations and uh i don't know man i'm not here to step on anyone's toes or anything but as you know i'm still in the opinion that um hopefully these kids can can get going and and get something that someone even quoted in that letter an anonymous ohl player saying you know this is our overage year i'm looking to get a scholarship to college and without being able to show my ability it might not happen and you know so I'm, i'm in that boat like let them play let them you know move on um, especially for again like those kids that are getting drafted or going elsewhere going pro going to school looking for a job this is their last hope in regards to a hockey it can be you know like if it were all to end tomorrow it's no season you're left with you know where do i go from here kind of thing right so anyway feel the way you want to feel but hopefully they get uh, something going in a short 24 season game or 24 game season um nevertheless i've talked enough today so that is all this week on the Win City Sports Podcast. My name is Drake Damore. I'm here every other Monday on WinCitySports.com and anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, for the Win City Sports Podcast. Featuring interviews with local athletes, coaches, entrepreneurs, and more, bringing you the best in local sports interviews, telling stories, documenting history, and you know, just shooting the shit with our local athletes, entrepreneurs, coaches, and more. Um, follow us on social media at WinCity underscore sports on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever app you might use for podcasting and give us a review. Give us a five-star review, five-star frog splash. Um, again, follow social media, listen to old episodes, please help and support us. Keep doing this, uh, keep going. Hopefully almost five years coming up now. So, uh, you can also follow me, Drake Demore at drink more on twitter and instagram but until next time smell you later